And a good Sunday morning to you. It is nine minutes now past 7 o'clock, 46 degrees. Just a beautiful day on tap. Could get breezy. We could see some rain, even some, dare I say, snow. I guess it's still winter technically, but we're kind of spoiled just a bit. This is how we're going to talk about Alzheimer's and dementia and a lot of things related to your brain. And we are so grateful to talk about this this month. That is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. And coming up, there's also going to be a walk this month. But we wanted to jump in. There's also been a lot of talk in the news uh, with some former talk show host, Wendy Williams, announcing recently that she was diagnosed with progressive aphasia and dementia. That's according to her relatives. And so we've invited to the program Dr. Vijay Ranman, who is a neurologist at the Mayo Clinic. We've also got on our news line Hillary Tyler. She is the program manager at the Alzheimer's Association of Minnesota, and both can talk more about what's happening in the world of Alzheimer's, particularly research. That's pretty important to talk about as well, and the treatments that are are available out there now. So, Doctor, thank you for coming on first. Really appreciate you having coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to be here. Well, good to have you. And then, uh, Hillary, to you as well, thank you for popping on. Okay. So what we're going to do, Dr. Ramanan, is just jump right in. How far have we come in terms of treating Alzheimer's? Gosh, it's a great question. I think for those of us who are really passionate about uh, forward progress, it's fair to two things can be true at the same time. Alzheimer's is a really challenging disease. It's not for lack of smart minds or uh, effort or, or commitment or passion uh, that it has been so tough to understand and develop good uh, treatments for over the years. But I'm really heartened that when we look to other areas of medicine, other very common diseases, things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, heart conditions, uh, even HIV AIDS, these are all uh, conditions where there was a point in time uh, where we didn't have excellent treatment options or where we had options, they might be very complicated, a lot of side effects, a lot of learning to happen. And then you fast forward uh, a few decades and you see a world that looks very different where you take very challenging diseases and now make them much more chronic, much more manageable. And you have a combination of things, maybe lifestyle, maybe medications, maybe both, Uh, where you're looking to do both some prevention uh, and treatment when the disease sets in. And so it's an exciting thing to say that there is some forward momentum with Alzheimer's disease. We know that there are lifestyle and pill medications uh, which help to uh, limit one's risk of developing the disease. They can also help with some of the symptoms, trying to slow things down uh, when the disease is there. But you look out at the, at the field and see new medication options that are also trying to help slow down the disease progression, maybe even act on components of the disease. And so that's a real positive step forward. It's not yet the whole ball of wax. Uh, those options are really complicated. I'm sure we'll talk uh, more about those. But Um, it's definitely good news for patients. It's also good for all of us who are seeing those patients and taking care of loved ones. We know how devastating this disease can be. So uh, speaking for myself, I know many others. I want all the good options I can get. Definitely some positive steps forward. 
Very good. And we want to remind people at any time, if they are listening and they have a question about themselves or a loved one, 651 461 651-461-9226. You can either call that number or you can text that number as well, and we'll get the question to, to Dr. Ramanan. Also, we have with us Hillary Tyler. She is a program manager with the Alzheimer's Association. Hillary, thanks for coming on with us. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me this morning. So we're going to kind of pop back and forth, and we want listeners to know that they can ask questions of you and Dr. Ramanan. Hillary, let's start with you, though, a little bit about what you do and how you help. So say someone presents, they have Alzheimer's, they've been diagnosed, then what? Like, where do you guys come in? Absolutely. So here at the Alzheimer's Association, we work with anybody who is experiencing um, any dementia diagnosis themselves for a family member. Maybe they're a current caregiver. Maybe they're just looking to learn more about the disease. Uh, We have tons of no-cost education classes as well as support groups, both for people living with dementia and for their caregivers and family members. And I I would be remiss if I didn't mention our 24-7 helpline. That is always available any time of day, any time of year for people that have any dementia-related questions at all. And it's a pretty prevalent illness, is it not? You sent me some information. More than 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's, and 11.5 million uh, provide that care for them. So talk about the numbers in in the, the vastness of this. Yeah, yeah. Our our statistics are showing currently that 6.7 million Americans are living with a form of Alzheimer's or another dementia. Um, And that equals about 11.5 million people that are caring for those folks. And those are our unpaid caregivers. So those are our our friends and family members that are taking care of of the person in their life that has the diagnosis. Um, Here in Minnesota, 99,000 people are living with Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. And for caregivers, there's 150 63,000 just here in Minnesota. Wow, that's a lot of people. It is. It so is. we're going to take our first quick break, but we want to again remind people listening this morning, 651-461-9226. We can take your call. We can also take your text questions. And we're already getting one. And when we get back, we're going to get right into this question because a lot of people ask this. What is the difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? And we'll get to that right after this on News Talk 830 WCCO. And we are back. It is 18 minutes past 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. We're talking about Alzheimer's and we're already getting questions and texts and phone calls about First of all, thanking us for bringing this up because I know a lot of people suffer from this and there are a lot of questions. Let's take Dave at 651-461-9226. Again, you can call or text and we'll get to as many of your questions as we can. Dave, go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. Uh, so I had a, um, an incident with my wife about just about a year ago Um she had been acting kind of funny, and she had been having falls, and she had one particular fall where she hit her head pretty bad, and it was uh, bleeding you know, fairly profusely. And I was able to get her up off the floor and just put a makeshift bandage on her head. But I, I, I you know, I didn't know what to do because I couldn't hardly physically handle her. 
So I, I dialed 911 and paramedics came, took her to the hospital, and you know, she spent a couple days in the hospital, and um, she hasn't been home since. She had been diagnosed with uh, Parkinson's with Lewy body dementia. Okay. So, and and uh, now she's in a long-term uh, facility, and fortunately, we bought long-term care insurance yeah. years and years ago. Mm. Um, so that helps you know, alleviate the enormous cost. I mean, it costs about $9,000 a month yeah. for Very her to expensive. be in this facility, so and our you- insurance cut. Covers that, but that insurance is no longer available for people because of the enormous cost. So, can I jump in real quick, Uh, Dave? I appreciate your calling. Did you have a question, or were you just wanting to share about what you've gone? Yeah, no, I wanted to know about uh, you know the Lewy body, the different forms of uh, dementia besides. Alzheimer's. Yeah, let's do that. Because this doctor that we have on with us, Dr. Vijay Ramanan from the Mayo Clinic, also does research in that area as well. So let's talk. Yeah, I'd about, like to. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to have the opportunity to talk to him. Yeah. Okay. So very good, Dr. Ramanan. Can you talk about Lewy body dementia? I know we've got people asking questions about what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia, and it's kind of you know people. It's it's confusing at times. It is, and I think that uh, question uh, you highlighted, Susie, it's, it's, and, uh, it's worth taking a minute. And um, What's that, Doctor? We just lost you a little bit. Hi, uh, Susie. Uh, hopefully you can hear me now. Yeah. Um, Dave, I uh, just want to say uh, thanks so much for sharing that. It's a great question you surfaced. I can't imagine how, how tough it's been for you. Uh, and your wife over this uh, time, but it's a really common question that that you're asking. Uh, You know, taking a step back, cognitive uh, changes and other neurologic symptoms can be the result of many different diseases, and those symptoms uh, can look different from person to person. Alzheimer's disease is one type of what we call degenerative brain disease, so the kind of disease that affects the brain much more commonly uh, with age, uh, the kind of disease that tends to evolve and gradually progress over a period of many months to years. And Alzheimer's disease, um, as it manifests in any person, uh, maybe early in the process can cause milder symptoms with memory or other parts of thinking, and those can evolve over time. And we can put a, a gradation or uh, a label on how a person is doing uh, with terms like mild cognitive impairment or dementia. And it's worth taking a moment just to talk about that. So individuals who've had changes in their thinking that have gotten worse over time but are not yet at a level which are impacting their day-to-day. So doing things like paying the bills, managing the checkbook, handling medications without mistakes, uh, staying employed, driving. If that's the, the description of what's going on, we can say that a person has mild cognitive impairment. If the symptoms and their effect on an individual's day-to-day functioning is a little bit more than that, it's starting to get in the way of those types of activities that help keep us independent, we can say that an individual has dementia. But it's important to remember 
people can have mild cognitive impairment or dementia due to a variety of different causes. Alzheimer's disease is one cause, and it's the most common degenerative disease that we see affecting memory and thinking, especially in older individuals. But there are cousins of Alzheimer's disease, other degenerative diseases. So Lewy body disease is one of those. Frontotemporal dementia is another. And each of these have their own symptoms or their own manifestations in individuals. So, for example, uh, individuals with Lewy body disease, they may have, even over the many years preceding memory or thinking symptoms, issues with sleep or issues with movement, uh, tremor, walking, and balance, and so on. In uh, patients with frontotemporal dementia, they might have changes in behavior or personality or the ability to communicate with uh, written and spoken language. And so important to keep in mind, Alzheimer's is very, very common. It's the most common degenerative disease that affects memory and thinking, but there are others, Lewy body disease, frontotemporal dementia, and so on. So it's a great question you raise. All right. It is 725 on News Talk 830 WCCO. We are talking about Alzheimer's and more specifically, I should say, degenerative diseases because it does, it's kind of an umbrella, dementia is, and cognitive degenerative diseases. Uh, we're getting a number of texts from people as well at 651-461-9226. We're talking to Dr. Vijay Ramanan with the Mayo Clinic and also Hillary Tyler, the program manager at the Alzheimer's Association of Minnesota and how they help people who are living with Alzheimer's and then the so many that care for people with dementia and Alzheimer's. A, le- a texter is writing this morning at 651-461-9226. Can a brain scan see dementia? Another great question. I would step back and say uh, when we're thinking about things like Alzheimer's disease and all of its cousins, it's never about one single data point, one single symptom, or one single test result. But actually, diagnosis is best accomplished by integrating lots of things. So as a neurologist, when I see patients and there's a concern about Alzheimer's or a related disease, I want to learn about the symptoms that have been observed, what has the individual or the loved one seen over time. I want to know what their examination looks like. How do the Uh, different parts of the nervous system appear to work when we check those things out in the office, and that may include a test of memory and other parts of thinking. Brain scans, blood tests, sometimes other things like lumbar punctures for looking at the fluid that's in the nervous system, all of these can help to rule in or rule out the different causes of memory and thinking difficulties. And so Absolutely, brain scans play a part in that. Uh, As an example, MRI scans give us a good look at the structure of the brain, and that's most helpful actually to figure out if there are things like tumors or strokes or bleeds, because those can also cause cognitive issues. In some cases, we can actually see shrinkage or atrophy in different parts of the brain that can give us a clue as to the presence of something like Alzheimer's disease, but that's not the only tool we have to look into those diseases. There are also uh, different types of brain scans, for example, PET scans, which can help get a sense of our brain cells uh, or brain networks crisscrossing different parts of the brain having some degeneration because that's a good marker of uh, these diseases. There are also uh, brain scans and other tests which can give us insight on 
protein markers of things like Alzheimer's and related diseases. So proteins like amyloid and tau and alpha-synuclein. And so really uh, the goal is putting expertise to integrating all of that information, recognizing that any single piece of data could still point to several different possibilities, but actually putting that picture together to get to a diagnosis, I think is really the point. And it's exciting to have all those good tools because now we can make diagnoses with really high confidence and then get patients on the game plans for managing things. 651-461-9226. We're talking about Alzheimer's and dementia. We have with us as well on our newsline, Hillary Tyler. She's the program manager for the Alzheimer's Association of Minnesota. We talk about this disease. Um, Hillary, do people usually get diagnosed with a doctor and then call you, or are they calling you? I mean, is it sort of in tandem? It is. It is. Um, Sometimes people just have general questions. They have somebody in their life that they're curious or wondering about. Um, So they'll call us. They'll come to one of our education classes um, to learn more and more about what to look for, what they should do, the questions they should maybe be asking their doctor. And then sometimes, yeah, we do have uh, referrals that come from from doctors like Dr. Ramanan um, of where they can go for support. This This is a disease that people don't have to face alone, and we want to make sure that they know that. So. Coming to us from multiple angles. Yeah, I was going to say, along those lines, uh, I had a family member that had Alzheimer's, and Mm -hmm. it was so hard for his wife because she was the one who was trying to keep the house from burning down and, you know, Mm -hmm. and getting – because Alzheimer's or dementia – the things we've seen that we've heard about kind of show up strangely. Like there was a wonderful documentary 20 years ago or more where the person one day went out and bought bananas and put them in a suitcase. And, you know, I mean, there were different Mm -hmm. strange activities that that person, the caregiver, the loved one had to figure out, gosh, how do we deal with this? And how do we deal with that? Is that the kind of support you give as well? Absolutely. Uh, we know that our caregivers are, are very, very impacted by this disease. It's, it's a big, a big um, job to take on caring for a loved one or somebody in your life. So yes, we help with those questions. We have um, 10 warning signs of Alzheimer's that we do have more information in a class on that people can attend um, that talks about what is maybe a warning sign of Alzheimer's or another dementia versus what is normal aging. Um, some things are going to happen as we age that are completely Completely typical and normal. Other things that maybe we want to make note of and or have a conversation about. Very good. It is 7.30. We're going to take a short break. We're going to tell you a little bit about our forecast. And then when we come back, we have more time for questions and texts at 651-461-9226. A texter writes, what about diet and exercise? We'll get to that after this on News Talk 830 WCCO. And we are back at 651-461-9226. Happy to have you with us on this Sunday morning when we talk about all things health. Today we are talking about Alzheimer's and dementia and different conditions that people have questions about. And again, I said that number, but I'll say it again, 651-461-9226. We have on our news line this morning, really grateful to have Dr. Vijay Ramanan, a neurologist at the Mayo Clinic, and also Hillary Tyler, the program manager here in Minnesota with the Alzheimer's Association. 
So, Dr. Ramanan, let's get to that question about diet and exercise because you, I believe, mentioned it earlier on in the interview here. You said lifestyle and pills. What about diet and exercise? Absolutely, and, and this is really important. Um, I'm so pleased, again, as we look back over recent decades as a society, we've learned so much about things you can do to limit the risk of heart attacks and strokes, managing those underlying risk factors like blood pressure and diabetes and cholesterol and and how diet and exercise play a role there. I'm really heartened about both research and advocacy from, uh, you know, scientists, from organizations like the Alzheimer's Association, the American Academy of Neurology and others to uh, put brain health on the map as well. And so thinking about things like Alzheimer's disease, Absolutely. Diet, exercise, good, healthy lifestyle habits play a role, not just in early and midlife in terms of minimizing the risk of developing a problem in future or maybe delaying its onset, uh, but also when folks have a diagnosis like Alzheimer's disease, those lifestyle uh, uh, activities are, are part of management to help keep the disease as slow and as mild as possible. So as an example, uh, with diet, there's a good amount of research on um, approaches like the MIND diet, which is sort of a hybrid of a Mediterranean-style diet and a DASH diet, really emphasizing uh, leafy greens, nuts, berries, fish, uh, as part of good healthy habits. Um, and this, it's important to point out, uh, all of this is really talking about balance and consistency. And so following a good healthy diet from the standpoint of a brain doesn't mean that you can't have ice cream or cheese or, uh, or a burger from time to time, but point being good healthy habits on a consistent basis over many months to many years help keep the brain healthy, help to limit uh, the possibility of developing things like Alzheimer's disease in the future. Exercise is another key part of that. If uh, I try to encourage my patients, if you can do something for at least five days a week, at least 30 minutes on those days, that's getting your heart rate up. There's so many benefits to exercise uh, on mood, on sleep, on uh, cardiovascular health and others, but there is research to show uh, positive effects on brain health too. And so really encourage uh, my patients to think about not just things that come through a prescription or that you pick up at a pharmacy. There are things in your hands that you can do on a day-to-day basis, not to feel pressure about those things. So it's not that if I exercise two hours today uh, instead of 30 minutes, I'm doubling or quadrupling uh, the benefits on my brain, but it's really about doing these things that are good for us in so many ways. They're also good for the health of the brain. They clearly do play a role in prevention, minimizing risk, but also keeping these diseases as slow as possible. Another question from a texter, Dr. Ramanan. My mom, her mom, her half-brother all had dementia. I have high cholesterol since I've been young, but my doctor does not treat it because I don't have enough other factors for heart disease. Would high cholesterol or managing that have any effect on dementia? And is there a genetic, is there a hereditary element to dementia and Alzheimer's? And that's probably a really good question for a lot of people listening. Both, yeah, yeah, both great questions and very common questions. And maybe we'll take them one at a time and, and kind of step back to the general case. I think many listeners would 
um, find some value in, in this knowledge. So Alzheimer's disease, just like other very common diseases, high blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, most of the time when Alzheimer's or its cousins develop, it's not because of one single reason. It's more of a, a complicated uh, soup of, of maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 different factors which all kind of aggregate and, and simmer over some time. Um, and so that's going to be a combination of our genetics, things that we inherit from mom and dad, uh, from uh, our um, uh, lifestyle and environment, so kind of all intermingling together. And as a, as a field in neurology, we don't yet have that full equation or that full mystery completely solved, but it's good to know about some of the potential risk factors if you can take steps to kind of manage them, especially in early and midlife. In very rare cases, uh, Alzheimer's can develop uh, as a result of a, a genetic change. Uh, but, you know, really that's looking at about 1% of the time, plus or minus. And, and that kind of makes clear that this is a complex disease where you can develop Alzheimer's disease even without having any family history, or people can have lots of family history of Alzheimer's disease and never develop it. So it's much more complex than that. I think it does put um, uh, a, a great onus on all of us to engage in those good, consistent, healthy lifestyle habits. The same things that help keep the heart healthy are going to help keep the brain healthy, whatever may be or may not be in our future. And, uh, you know, managing things like cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar are a good part of uh, vascular health and keeping the brain healthy. Uh, and so always a good idea to, to talk to one's doctor and just make sure that those things are in uh, optimal control so that uh, all of us are, are as empowered as we possibly could be. And doctor, along those lines, I wanted to ask you about your, your research and then another question about long COVID and COVID brain. Um, is that is there any correlation to developing dementia after having had COVID, or is there just not the research out there quite yet? It's another great and very nuanced question. And, and as you were hinting at, Susie, uh, you know, our experience as a world with uh, COVID is, is still very fresh. And so uh, I'm very supportive of, of research avenues looking forward to better understand both the short and, and long-term effects of COVID. There are individuals that uh, can develop cognitive symptoms in the context of uh, COVID infection or long COVID um, you know, the current research would, would seem to indicate that this is not directly the cause of or, or the, uh, the result of, uh, you know, virus being in the system or the infectious process specifically, but uh, other factors. Um, and, and as we currently understand it, you know, those impacts on memory and thinking are separate in terms of mechanism uh, from things like Alzheimer's disease. Uh, so a lot more to come, I'm sure, uh, in that area, and especially with uh, how uh, common uh, long COVID uh, has been. It's a great thing that there are uh, researchers digging into that further. And you recently published a paper uh, out in November. Uh, what was your research about, and how do you see it helping patients? So... Um, uh, I think, you know, a, a few things that have come out of uh, research more recently. One of the things that excites uh, me and colleagues are developments in 
blood biomarkers uh, or tests that can be uh, assayed through uh, blood tests to give some evidence either in favor or against uh, diseases like Alzheimer's disease. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there are many tools, many tests and data points that we use in the clinic to try to help uh, make a good, confident diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease or other causes of cognitive issues. Uh, it's a good step forward as we think about technical advances and more experience with now blood-based assays, which can actually give a sense of some of those protein markers of the disease. There's a lot more that has to happen uh, before uh, those uh, tests are really being used even more widely. But one of the exciting things in the field is as we think about brain scans, lumbar punctures for spinal fluid tests uh, versus blood tests, you could see a lot of potential advantages, uh, both to those in primary care and geriatrics, as well as those of us in neurology, as gathering an additional data point. Uh, if we're thinking that Alzheimer's uh, disease or a related disease might be within the possibilities. And so a lot of research ongoing, some from uh, myself and colleagues at the Mayo Clinic, uh, much out in the rest of the field in neurology, to better understand how those blood biomarkers work in real-world populations and how we can uh, integrate with some of the technical advances that are ongoing to make sure that when those are deployed more widely in the future, they're done so in a way that maximizes both equity and efficacy. Very good. It is 745 on a Sunday morning. We're going to take our final break of the hour. We're talking about Alzheimer's with Dr. Vijay Ramanan, neurologist at Mayo Clinic, and also Hillary Tyler, the program manager of the Alzheimer's Association of Minnesota. And reminding you, you have time to ask more questions. 651-461-9226. We're back right after this. And we are back with our final segment here, a great hour. We've been talking about dementia, specifically Alzheimer's, and what's happening in the world of treatment, research, and support. And your calls and texts are welcome here at 651-461-9226. And we have on our news line Dr. Vijay Ramanan, a neurologist at Mayo Clinic, and Hillary Tyler, the program manager for Alzheimer's Association, Minnesota. Hillary, this text goes right to you. Uh, this texter writes, how does a family caregiver find help and respite? Absolutely. First thing I would do is tell that person to write down our 1-800-HELPLINE number. Um, that number is one 800 272 3900. There's going to be master's level professional. You get to talk to a person um, and they can help you with any type of questions that you have, whether it's um, making decisions or you're in a crisis and you need assistance, um, even just general questions about getting connected with our local chapter here in Minnesota or even attending one of the education classes. Wonderful. And just mention the walk coming up in the fall, just so folks can learn, know about that and find out more. Absolutely. Yeah, we have our, our 2024 Walk to End Alzheimer's is going to be at Target Field. It'll be on Saturday, September 21st. Um, it's a really great event to come out and um, just see the hope in this disease and see the community that um, is is that comes along with um, the association and also you don't have to face this journey alone. So there's, there's lots of people out there to support anyone that might be um, facing this disease. 
All right, very good. Thank you for your time. Want to just jump back into some of our questions. We have about five minutes left, four or five minutes, Dr. Ramnan. Someone asked this question. I drink a lot of coffee. Do we know if caffeine has any impact on whether or not a person will develop uh, dementia? As a, a fellow coffee uh, lover, I think <laughs> it would be challenging for uh, so many of us to think about uh, any negative uh, consequences of that. It's a very hot research to understand how certain ingredients, things that are part of our uh, diets, may impact the risk of dementia uh, moving forward. Um, uh, and I, I, I would say no firm, uh, you know, conclusions out, out of that. Uh, you know, and, and maybe taking a step back, um, even as we talk about diet, uh, it's not about one single ingredient uh, or one single food item to either avoid or, uh, you know, go overboard on. What you're really looking for is, is balance. And so uh, um, uh, whether that's with the fish, berries, uh, fruit, all of the, the good healthy habit things, and I think coffee in moderation can play a good role in that too. Yeah, exactly. And kind of just as we wrap up here, I'm thinking about people that are listening and, you know, we all get forgetful. We all can't remember where we put our keys. And I think sometimes that panic sets in like, oh, my goodness, is this it? Am I developing something along these lines? And so as we close this hour, I mean, what would we look for? What would we be worried about? for ourselves or for a loved one and when to make the call? Very common and another excellent uh, question. And here's a, a place where those warning signs that uh, Hillary mentioned earlier can be helpful. I would also, again, lead with that reassurance that you just mentioned. Each of us uh, can have lapses, moments of uh, confusion uh, during the day. We can place an item for conversation or something that, that's happened. Those things can occur without there being anything sinister underneath them. Uh, you know, one thing that can be helpful is to put one's trust in, in loved ones, coworkers, friends, those who know you really well. Yeah. And if their antennae go up, uh, that they feel there's an issue. I think that's something worth taking seriously and, and talking with your doctor about it. Yeah. Um, but keeping those two things in balance, I think, is very fair. And in this final minute, I think, too, to reassure your loved ones, like my mom, is a she's forgetting words. And I'm like, let's just relax. We'll just talk about what you're trying to say. You know, I think the, the more frustrated and, and upset you get, the harder it is to sort of calm down and come up with whatever it is you need to come up with. Absolutely. None of us think at our best when we're stressed, anxious, tired. And so uh, taking your time, uh, focusing on the moment, I think, can always be helpful. Uh, sometimes looking out towards the unknown or the future or the questions that are unanswered uh, can, can have a negative cycle on things. So being in the present has a lot of worth. Yes, that meditative piece of this can be helpful as well. So uh, let's jump back on with Hillary. Give us the hot, the hot, the one eight hundred number real quick. Absolutely, it's our twenty four seven helpline, and that number is one eight hundred two seven two three nine zero zero. Say that one more time. One eight hundred two seven two three nine zero zero is our twenty four seven helpline. 
That's wonderful. And I'm sure you're there. Someone did ask about respite. Do you uh, offer that service as well if someone needs just a break to go shopping or what happens? You just even take a walk and not have to worry for a minute? Right. Right. We don't offer direct respite um, care services, but if you call that helpline, they can help you find options in your area. Okay. So you direct them to the resource that they might need. Correct. Okay. Yep. Yep. And the walk again? Uh, September 21st at Target Field. And that's so important, isn't it? Because that's your fundraiser that keeps it all going, right? It is. We have a lot of great events throughout the year that people can get involved with. We have our the longest day, it's called, um, where people can kind of do what they what they enjoy and help us fundraise for this research that's going on. Um, but the walk to end Alzheimer's, we have multiple walks across yep. Minnesota, North Dakota. Um, come and join us. We're we're always happy to have new supporters and and new people join us in this fight. Thank you so very much, and Dr. Ramanan, thank you so much as well. Love to have you both on again sometime. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. All Thank right. you so much, Phoebe. Yep. Bye, Thank Dr. Thank you very much, yep. Have a great day. It is 7.55 on News Talk 830 WCCO.